So this sign, you are here, is um, something that you look for when you are lost and you see a public map. You are here. If you didn't know, you're in Bristol. Um, it, it's the sign that helps you locate where you are. Sometimes I need that physically. Um, sometimes I need that more than just physically. I need it emotionally and spiritually, and I know I'm not alone in that. We live in a world rocked by a pandemic. Um, Lots of people know where they are physically, but they don't know where they are emotionally and spiritually. They're lost. They need a home. This year at B&A, we're looking at home, what it means to us, how we find it. And this autumn, we've been looking at the Old Testament, explaining the concept of home through the stories of the Jewish exile in Babylon. And if you don't know the history and you want to understand the background, I'd encourage you to go to the website for our church, babristol.org, and to go to resources and talks. And then the talk that I gave on holiness starts with a 10-minute explanation of the historical background um, to the Jewish exile. And so if you, if you kind of, like me, are used to flanneling and pretending that you know stuff, but actually underneath it, you don't, um, it can be useful to get a bit of background information. And, and the beginning of that talk is a useful bit of background information. As the Jews were going through the disruption of the exile, people spoke out about what was happening and why. Their words were recorded, and they were called prophets. They had a lot to say, and the purpose of today is to equip you to read the prophets by yourself at home. So, um, I'm just grabbing my Bible because I'm going to use it as an illustration in a moment. So the first question is, what is prophecy? Well, prophecy, most simply explained, is speaking out how God sees the present and the future. Prophecy is speaking out how God sees the present and the future. Then the next question is, where do we find it? Um, And the simple answer is we find it in the Bible and we find it in church. So if, you take, if you've got your Bible, you might like to just take it. Um, and and um, if you're next to somebody who doesn't have a Bible, um, they might not actually have a Bible at all. So it may be that um, you're showing them one that um, they don't have, and so you can help them. So if you take your Bible, um, you, what you'll find is the first five books of what's called the Pentateuch. Um, so five books that tell the story, the beginning of the story of the people of Israel. And then after that, we get some books that are history books, um, and the the main kind of bulky books of history that um, you'll come across are about the history of Israel in the Promised Land, so um, leading from Samuel through Saul and David. And then after that, you get to um, the book of Psalms um, and the books of wisdom, and then we get to the prophets. And the prophets sort of form the second half of the Old Testament after the book of Psalms. And they tend to be books that are named with a particular name um, of an individual. And then when you get to the New Testament, if you're kind of thumbing through, you can still thumb through if you want to. I can't do that because I'm holding a microphone. Um, You'll see after that that there are the Gospels, four of them, and then Acts, and then the Epistles. Now, 
if we're completely honest, when we read the Bible at home by ourselves, how many of us jump to read the prophets? First off. Okay, so there you go. So if you're, if you're here and you don't read the Bible very often, what you'll have seen is that those who do don't necessarily jump to read the prophets first. And um, uh, so... So that's why I want to explain it to you so that you can read it by yourself because it's part of the Bible and it's important. So I want you to hear it. Um, I said that prophecy exists in the Bible and in church. Actually, in the Bible, we get one of the first accounts of the early church in Acts 11. If you've got your Bible, you you can turn to it. You'll see when the church is gathering in Antioch, there is a prophecy that is given about a famine that's going to come. Okay, so um, prophecy exists in the Bible, existed in the church when it first started. So prophecy didn't stop when Jesus came. Okay, Um, and then um, I want to give an example, a live example of how um, prophecy works today. So about nine months ago, I was in a meeting and somebody shared this um, uh, this was a prophecy that was given by somebody who's part of the Alpha Network. You may have heard the Alpha course. I've shared this prophecy before. Um, in a prayer meeting, this guy said, in, in 2021, I feel like there is mass migration coming into Europe, the scale of which we can't imagine. This will disrupt everything for our countries. It will change nations politically and morally, and the churches theologically as to how we respond. 2021, 2022, war breaks out in Ukraine. Okay, so, so prophecy exists in the church today. Um, but what we're going to do today is we're going to look at how do we read the prophets in the Old Testament? Are you still tracking with me? Yes, some measure of enthusiasm. Okay, so um, how do we read it? Well, how we read it is necessarily going to be different to how they saw it because we live two and a half thousand years on from when they spoke it. And so they, if you think about it like this, they see the future um, and, and we look back at how they saw the future and we look to our future as well. If you don't understand that, there's an illustration coming and some words. So there are, there are three horizons of prophecy. There are three points to which the prophets were speaking, even though they didn't know it. And those three points are the immediate context in which they were speaking, what was about to happen, okay, Christ and his cross, and then the second coming. I tried to get those into three C's so that you can remember them. So three horizons, three C's. Context, Christ, and the second coming. Okay? So if you imagine looking at a mountain range, um, you might not be able to pick out the different peaks as you stand at it from a distance. What you see is a mountain range. But once you get into it, you can see how it forms. So as it is for for those who were speaking as prophets, they couldn't really see the definition of the mountain range in front of them, but they could see something in the future. But what we get is the capacity to see it side on. So we can see 
with hindsight what's fulfilled in the context, what's fulfilled in the cross of Christ. Um, there's two C's on that one. Um, I changed my C halfway through the PowerPoint, but then didn't come back to it. Um, and the second coming. Okay? We, if you're struggling with this, we're going to root this in a passage in a moment, so you're going to get to experience it. Um, and so as you, if, if you're kind of looking from the prophet's perspective, they can't quite see what's what. They just see the future. But because we have learned with hindsight what has been fulfilled in the context of what was going on all those years ago and what was fulfilled in the cross, we can begin to pull out those things and to see what is yet to be fulfilled in the second coming. So I'm going to give a really practical example of that. If you'd like to turn to Isaiah chapter 11... Um, uh, if you check the cricket score, the Lord will strike you down. I have not been checking the cricket score since 9.45 this morning. Um, uh, so um, Isaiah 11 and verses 1 to 9. He won't strike you down. That's really dodgy theology, in case you were. Um, uh, um, and then I'm just going to read from, um, from verse 1 of Isaiah 11. I'm not going to tell you what page it's on because it's on different pages in your different um, translations and I'm going to read it in this Bible rather than that Bible. Um, So, um, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child will put his hands into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea." This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so um, if you look at that in verses 1 to 3, you can see that those verses point towards the, the person of Christ and what he did when he first came and is fulfilled in his character as he displayed it at the cross. If you look at verse 4... But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. We know that that is happening, but it hasn't yet happened, has it? So we know that that actually will be fulfilled when he comes back again. If we look at verse 5, we can see that that is actually fulfilled in him. So righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. We know that he lived with righteousness and faithfulness when he came. We're not waiting for that to be fulfilled because that is how he was when he came. Does that make sense? Yeah? Come on. Um, 
Um, and, and then in verses 6 to 9. Now, I don't know about you. I've got some children. When they were young, I wouldn't have encouraged them to shove their hand into a viper's nest. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't throw a goat over, the leopard, over into the leopard's enclosure in the zoo. Um, even if, it, if you know Charles's jokes, it was probably very funny um, about zoos. He'll tell you that afterwards. Um, I, w- I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that. So those verses are referring to what will happen when he comes and everything is made new. Yep. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Excellent. So, um, so we have to, we live, uh, we, we read the prophets knowing that there's an immediate context into which they're speaking. Now, if you turn back to the previous chapter in Isaiah, the end of chapter 10 from verses 26 onwards, you'll see a bunch of names of places, and I don't know where those names are. And I'm paid to know where those names are. Um, uh, you probably don't know where those names are. So, and, and funnily enough, those verses, he, when Isaiah spoke, he didn't say, and that is the end of the 10th chapter of my prophecy. Now chapter 11 starts. It's all together. And so when he was speaking and seeing things, he was seeing things back to here with that mountain range in the distance. So then the question is, how do we respond to the prophets? Well, the first thing that we do is we respond to the prophets knowing you are here. So you are here between the cross of Christ and the second coming. You are here. I got very excited and I've got ahead of myself in my notes. So I just need to catch up. Forgive me. And what that means is that sometimes you will read something that's spoken to the original context and you will think, ah, that speaks directly to me right now. So if you read Malachi, um, he talks about um, how the tithe needs to be given um, so that the the temple and the city in Jerusalem can be rebuilt. He says, "Don't, don't withhold the tithe. You might read that and go, oh, actually, I need to think about how much I'm giving. And, and you might acknowledge that actually as, as a church in the West, we, we actually do collectively have a, a reputation of withholding the tithe. We're not brilliant at being generous. Um, and so reading something like that does speak to us and does challenge us from one context to another. But then if you read Ezekiel and he says, um, you know what, you need to stop eating your children, you might think, hmm, <clears throat> That doesn't actually speak to our context today in the same way, unless I'm missing something. Okay, so, so sometimes it speaks, um, and, um, and sometimes it doesn't. But we need to let the God of history and the future speak to us. We need to let the God of history and the future speak to us. One of, one of the things about knowing how this ends um, is that it changes how we live in the present. So um, one of the, if you look at the great sports players of history, when they play the game, it's as if they have already played it. Um, They play with a conviction that says, "I've, I've already won. 
And sometimes they've even visualized it in their head. Um, the world, this World Cup will probably be Lionel Messi's last World Cup. He is renowned for um, having run plays in his head before he plays them. Um, he has already scored a goal before the ball comes to his feet. We as Christians can live like that because we know how the end is going to be because it's written in the book. And so we join in with God who wants to bring the future to us now, your kingdom come, your will be done, by being in the present and living towards the future, knowing how it's going to be. That's a little bit complicated, I know. But rooting and grounding it in reality. Um, a few years ago, um, one of our friends came up to us and said, I really believe this passage from the Old Testament, um, Habakkuk 2, is, is, is really important for James right now. She didn't say why. She just said, I just sense God has that passage for you. And then Nikki went to a conference on the other side of the world, a Christian conference, and somebody came up to her and said, are you here um, for yourself or for somebody else? And she said, no, I'm here for myself. And she said, well, have you got somebody back at home who's also praying? And she said, yes. And she said, well, I think that person needs to hear Habakkuk too. So funnily enough, I read Habakkuk too. Um, I couldn't make much sense of it. Um, but I spent time wrestling with it and seeking to understand what God wanted to say to me through it. So prophecy happens in the Bible, but it also happens in the church. And we want to hear God speaking to us because actually when, when, we, when we hear him speaking to us and when we hear him saying through the prophets, you are here, this is what is going on, it helps us to live now. And it helps us to understand how we are involved in him making all things new. Amen. So, um, what I would love you to do is, um, if you are on a team of a little church, can you confidently host your little church getting together? If you are here and you're not part of a little church... Um, uh, look for somebody who smiles at you and wants to welcome you into a small group. Don't feel like you have to say anything. And what I'm going to encourage you each to do, do please start moving, because um, I can talk over you, um, uh, is, to, is to pick one of these three passages and to read them together. Not all of them, one of these three passages. And then to do the same thing that I did with Isaiah 11 and to look at which verses are speaking about the context which verses are speaking about the cross and the, work and the person of Christ, and which ones are speaking to the second coming. And then once you've done that, ask this, what is God saying to me, to us, or our culture through this passage?